Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of the Providence Journal's College Basketball Podcast. This is Bill Koch, sports writer for the Journal, in our downtown studios in Providence. Uh, it is a gray Thursday morning, but nothing would keep me away from the studio for this. It is Providence and URI. Uh, we are reconvening after not playing the rivalry game last year, uh, last season. Um, and college basketball in this state just didn't feel complete without it. Uh, so to celebrate its return... I have summoned both of my co-conspirators for a three-man weave edition of the podcast. Uh, first up, the sports director at ABC6 uh, and the weekend co-host of Cordishi and Coit on WEI in Providence, Nick Coit. Ladies and gentlemen, Coity, how are we living? I've been summoned, Bill, so I am here. I appreciate you answering. <laughs> uh, also with us, the sports director at WPRI and Fox Providence, Maury Hirsch-Gordon, folks. Maury, how are we? The game is back, fellas. Let's go. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It is. It's great. I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. It doesn't have the standalone spotlight like a Friday night, but we'll take a Saturday afternoon. Uh, traditionally, the first Saturday in December, it's sort of taken that spot. Uh, 2 p.m. tip at the Dunkin' Donuts Center on CBS Sports Network. Um, and it is a proper occasion throughout the state. It will be sold out. It will be hyped by folks like us, by the coaches, by the players, certainly by the fan bases, if my Twitter mentions or any indication of that. <laughs> um, you know, guys, I, I just, you know, I know me being an in-state guy but not having gone to either school, I've watched this for a long time as a neutral I know, you know, Coit, you didn't grow up too far away. Maury, you've been a hoop head for a long time in Philly, familiar with both of these schools. So I know you guys understand, you know, what this game means in, in the scope of men's college basketball here in the state. Just generally, how great is it to have it back? Uh, it's awesome. It's uh, We missed it last year. We did. Um, I mean, we, we, we missed a lot of the normalcy that college basketball had, but this is, this is part of it. It's, and it happens fast. I mean, these teams have their own schedules, their own roads to, to glory here. Um, but when these few days come up, we sort of look at it and say, all right, let's enjoy this. These two programs coming together, you know, taking on each other on the court. And then it happens. And then we go on with the seasons with both. But it's fun when the paths cross. And, you know, some years uh, it, it's been maybe more... Um, I don't know, maybe hyped or, you know, there's been some more words than others. A little more uh, spicy, perhaps. Yeah, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you're, but when you're, your programs are healthy and they're going to face each other, I think that's always a good thing. And I think these programs, at this point so far this season, have been very healthy. Excellent point. I think about the kids uh, and what they missed last year. Uh, not only the fans and what they had to endure with during the pandemic season, but also just playing one another. You know, you come to these schools and you know that this is a game that will be on the schedule every year. Um, and, and as a competitor, as an athlete, I think these are games that they look forward to and it's a game they have circled on their calendar. And uh, regardless of, of who they play, Texas Tech comes to town or URI has an Alabama come to Kingston a couple years ago. Really, this is the marquee game of the non-conference slate, if we're being honest. URI wants to wants to show Providence that they belong, and Providence wants to kick the little brother down the curb. And you, this, uh, we've already seen some of the emojis that go back and forth with this rivalry, especially in the past year. A so. uh, certain member of Waterfowl Nation, <laughs> perhaps? Yes? Oh, yes? Holy cow. We're, uh, we're, oh. we're, we're not going to get into that. Nope. Uh, they, they are... <laughs> They are a but, uh, an, an independent baseball team on Long Island, correct? Sure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's <laughs> yep. what we're going with. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. There's yeah. It's it's that's the back and forth that you get from from the fan bases, and 
uh, I think that's what makes it fun and interesting. And yeah, it's the coaches and players. There's a little bit of that there too, but they try to they try to keep it to encore. But we'll see. Yeah, for the fans, it's, it's petty and sophomoric, and we love it that way. <laughs> sophomoric, um, you know. For uh, for the players, I, I know uh, you know Coity just. The other night at the Ryan Center, uh, after you or I beat Georgia State, uh, Ian Steele was in the, <laughs> the postgame. Uh, you're a compadre, Ian Steele. Uh, and he had come from the dunk earlier that day. He, he had done a doubleheader like I had. Uh, Providence had hosted St. Peter's, and you or I hosted Georgia State. And Ian had both press passes on yep. just to remind himself not to leave it in his work truck and to come in. Yep. So after the postgame press conference, Jeremy Shepard spots him with the Providence Pass Pass, and he says, I see you wearing that Prov Pass. I see you back there. What, are you a spy? Right? And Ian Steele, just mortified, is like, no, 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 no. Uh, like, That's not that. You know, so you know that the players are a little bit heightened oh, as yeah. well. Um, you know, you look at the Friars, and, and certainly, you know, Noah Horkler spoke about it a little bit on Tuesday. Yeah. Ed Cooley has spoken at length about it Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Al Durham, late Wednesday night, you know, talking about the crowd for Texas Tech, even said, these are the environments that I envisioned when I transferred here. This is why I came here to play in front of this fan base on nights like this. He's going to be fully exposed to that on Saturday. Um, you know, Coit, I, I think you make a good point, and, and we can jump off from here. Uh, both programs healthy. Providence seven and one. You or I six and two. Both off to good starts. Um, you know, let's start with the Rams. Uh, you know, going to Harvard. Last night, Wednesday night, 64-57 win against Harvard. Um, an interesting game from the standpoint that I, I look at it like this. URI wins the game by seven. If it was a four-point game most of the way and they make a three-pointer late and shoot it out with a couple free throws, everybody's happy. Yep. Everyone looks and says, gritty win, great job by URI, taking care of Harvard on the road, a team that could play for the Ivy League title. Instead, you have a 21-point lead early in the second half. It goes all the way down to three, and everyone looks now and says they had 19 turnovers. They were two for four from three, uh, two for 14 from three. They let Harvard get back in the game. It really is perception, and whether or not that perception turns into reality. So I, I wonder, just you know, what you guys take away from that result, aside from the fact that. URI wins, keeps it going, and builds a little confidence into Saturday. Well, I I actually would probably look at it as a sign of growth from this team because no matter what the deficit is, you know, 21 points for Harvard last night. Um, Last week, Florida Gulf Coast, that was what, a 14-point deficit? They came back, rallied, and won that game? 14, yep. That was a bad moment for this team. That was a moment of sort of adversity. They... They didn't like giving away that lead on the road. It was a game that, that could have been won. And last night, I think they built enough of a lead where they took another push, another team emptying the tank to come back. And this time, they were able to settle down, take a deep breath. And they they won in a different way than they did against Georgia State. And against Georgia State, they made 15 threes. Last night, it was a little bit different. You know, they, they scored in different ways. And that's that, to me, is a sign of growth. And so... Yeah, I, I, it's funny, Bill, how perception does change the way that these games go. Um, but Harvard literally had to empty the tank. They were they were gassed. By the time they got it down to three, they were gassed. That it took all of their effort to do that. So, right. you know, good for the Rams for just settling down and making sure that okay, we got to play the the last few minutes, the crunch time, well, and we can get out of here with a win. Yeah, I go glass half full as well. 
uh, with this roadie team. And, and I've been critical of the team based on the talent they've had on the roster and, and, the, and the games that they should have you know, won in years past and, and whatnot. But I think last night was a really good step in the right direction. Um, regardless of, like Coit said, the, the big-time lead getting trimmed down to three, for me, it's a win on the road. Their first true road win. So now they go, okay, we can go to the dunk and beat a good team. We can go to the dunk and beat a team that's perennially in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. To me, I think mentally it's just about going on the road away from home, especially after what happened at Florida Gulf Coast against a team that doesn't you know, hold a candle to a flame you know, compared to Harvard. So uh, I think this roadie team was, was excellent last night. Um, get out to a big lead and then hold on. You know that that pushback is going to come from the opponent when they're down by 20 on their home court. So if that's the recipe for how they win going forward, I don't have any problem with it. No, well, and guys, I, I, I'll say this too. We always look for in these this big rivalry game. You know, there's a guy that emerges. There's a guy that shines. Are we already seeing sort of the trajectory of is Ish Leggett already preparing himself to be that guy against PC because he's had a great couple of games. Here. Well, he certainly found himself after Florida Gulf Coast where he was scoreless uh, against the Eagles in that one. Um, really found a stroke from three against Georgia State uh, and against Harvard, 16 points on just six shots from the field. He was seven for eight from the line. Uh, Malik Martin was huge off the bench in this game, 13 points, nine rebounds. Um, you know, someone who looks like he's rounding into form is very comfortable in his role at this point. Uh, Mikhail Mitchell, 13 points, seven rebounds, and a block shot with two steals in that one. Uh, you know, so you look at your eye and you look at the way they defended against Harvard. Uh, the Crimson 8 for 33 from 3. I think that's going to be important against the Friars, uh, who were able to make some key threes in the second half against Texas Tech. Um, you know, URI obviously needs to value the ball a little bit more. The 19 turnovers, it's 28% of their possessions. Cannot happen in a rivalry game. You need to value the ball and something like that. Uh, you need more than a zero from Jeremy Shepard. Um, you know, no points in 20 minutes. He has to contribute in a game like this. But you're looking at that game at Harvard – as Maury said, a true road win after you lost a true road game at Florida Gulf Coast. Certainly something to feel good about. You would imagine the coaches are going to try to instill confidence because they know the setting that they're walking into on Saturday. Um, and we saw it last night at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Providence down 14 points in the first half, rallying to beat Texas Tech 72-68, uh, a Red Raiders team who was in the national championship game in 2019. Uh, playing under a different coach, Mark Adams. He was the lead assistant for Chris Beard, who has moved on to Texas. But this has become a pedigree program, one with an identity, which is defense, which is making things really difficult for you. You could see that for Providence early. The first half, 26% from the field. The second half, 52% from the field. You could just see the Friars adjusting to the Red Raiders' pressure as the game went on executing nicely in the second half, doing some really good things at both ends of the floor. I thought it was a very impressive win for the Friars. Yeah, it was. It wasn't quite signature, but it but it was impressive, and it was important as they continue to build that that non that resume for March. Um, and, and the thing that strikes me the most is obviously the play of Nate Watson and Noah Horkler, and you still come out on top mm-hmm. um, with a team as long and as physical and as tough as Texas Tech to not go down – uh, you know, despite trailing by 14 points, you know, sort of late in that first half, it got hairy there. You have seven, eight minutes left in that first half. If you don't make a run in the next five minutes to get it to within single digits by the half, 
I mean, that's a tough team to come back from. They're sort of like that Virginia ilk. Virginia is going to, you know, maybe play a little bit better defense as a whole, but Texas Tech, I mean, Texas Tech has a 12, 14 point lead in the second half. Tough to come back. They're going to make plays. They're going to get to the line. Game over. They're going to they're going to stay in your shorts on the defensive end. So, uh, really nice win for Providence and uh, uh, some nice individual moments as well for guys off the bench. And uh, it was, yeah, another another just solid win heading into the rivalry game. When Nate Watson has five points and five rebounds, it means that somebody else has, and you win the game. Somebody else has stepped forward. And I look at a guy, we've talked about him a lot, and we we know if this young man plays well, it's going to bode well for Providence. And that's A.J. Reeves, 14 points, 8 rebounds last night. That's you. Had to hit some big-time shots down the stretch. That, to me, Al Durham was fabulous, 23 points. It's it's obvious that Ed Cooley and his staff, when they're recruiting a sort of a lead dog guard, they can identify him, whether it's through the transfer portal or it's somebody that they recruited. Yeah. They can ide- There's a long list of them now, so they know that it starts from there, but they need other guys to contribute in the way that a guy like A.J. Reeves did last night. That was huge. That was huge on a night where clearly Texas Tech knew that we're going to try to take away Nate Watson, we're going to try to limit him and whatnot, you know, put a lot of attention on him, and <laughs> Nate tweeted it after the game and he's right. You thought you stopped me and you stopped this team. You're wrong. And guess what? They were wrong. And and PC came out with a big win. That is the most impressive part of last night to me. Sure, the win was great. But the fact that you have a borderline All-American talent, a potential first-team All-Conference selection in the Big East, and he tweets out, I love when I – and I'm quoting this now. I'm looking at it. I love when <laughs> teams think I'm the only threat. Laughing emoji face – I got a whole squad with a with a big muscle emoji. I mean, that's that speaks to the culture, and that speaks mm-hmm. to where this Providence team is at, that your best player who came back for a fifth year, who has sights on the NBA, still says, hey, Ed Croswell, you were the man last night. Justin and I off the bench, you were great. AJ, you hit big shots. When he dishes out the compliments to his guys, that's incredible. That's a true leader, and that's why I think this Providence team, the ceiling continues to rise. That, that's the kind of maturity you hope you would see out of a 50-year guy, but I don't think we take it for granted that guys are going to be that self-aware and, and do those sorts of things. Um, I think that is a huge cultural touchstone for a program like that when you have that guy being that self-aware that mindful of what his teammates did. Uh, Coy, you mentioned A.J. Reeves. He started this game one for eight. He made three of his last four shots. Mm-hmm. Um, some big threes in the second half. When Providence got some ball reversal going, Nate Watson made some passes out of diagonals. Providence made the extra pass, found the open man. They ran some really good offense in the second half against a team that is very difficult defensively, uh, that is up on you, keeping you out of the lane off the dribble. Um, you know, forcing you into uncomfortable spots in the corners of the floor. Uh, Ed Croswell was fabulous in this game. 11 points, 6 rebounds. Uh, really set a good tone coming off the bench in the first half. And, and really, you know, Providence is down 27-13 with about 8 minutes to play in that first half. Uh, if they don't make a run there, I, I think you're right, Maury. I think the game's over early. Um, Croswell w- was a big part of, of fueling that. Um, you know, and you look at the way that, that he played, the fact that Ed Cooley spoke about him at length on Tuesday saying, you know, Ed's been pushing us to try to get on the floor. He wants his minutes. He wants his opportunity. Um, and the fact that he was able to stay prepared mentally and, and take advantage of it when Providence really needed it, uh, that's a good sign for their depth going forward. 
I'd even touch on Justin Manaya being a guy that his stats aren't going to blow you away, but coming into the game and you know, I think the timeliness of the energy he provided coming off the bench was was huge in making that run late in the first half and then carrying it over into the second half too. So their bench guys, he's we've talked about it before in this podcast, roles and and defining roles. And I think with both teams and with both programs, you mentioned Malik Martin with URI. There's guys, they're embracing those roles, and we're seeing it, and they're getting better in those roles. And that's why I think Saturday's game is interesting because I think these are two teams that are maturing very early in the season. Yeah, really good teams have that. Mm-hmm. They have role definition. They, they have a certain idea of how they want to play, how they want to use the talent at their disposal, the skill sets that are on their roster. And then they go out and employ that with a reasonable level of consistency. Mm-hmm. I think you see that night after night after night. If, if you look at the good PC teams, the good URI teams in recent seasons, you had a really good idea of what you were going to get from each player on a given night. You had an idea who was going to score, who was going to rebound, who would defend. Um, you know, And I don't think that's a given with teams who struggle or who are middling or you know wherever it may be. It's just not. It's, it's it's not a characteristic of teams who don't play at the top of their leagues. I, I think any coach is searching for consistent contribution. Who can I trust? Who am I going to give minutes to? Who is the most trustworthy? Who is going to give me what I expect him to give me? And all the pieces fit together. Uh, and I don't think that's that. I don't think that always happens. We can we all you say that, and the first name that popped into my head for PC. Can you guess it, Maury? Can you guess it with trust? Go ahead. Drew Fonts. <laughs> Drew Fonts. Very good. But good for him for having that kind of trust from Ed Cooley. When Ed Cooley's ticked off and he needs somebody to do something. Yeah, break glass in case of emergency. He knows that he's going to put Drew on the floor Drew and Fonts. Drew's going to get it done. And he right. always does. That's right. That's huge. Yeah, and it's not even just Drew. It's the whole team as well. Yeah. Ed was talking about it on Tuesday right before the game. He said, hey, I'm an upfront type of coach. I go out to my team and I say, hey, I know you know this is going to be a big week. I tell them, you know, I'm up front. I tell them about their minutes, about their roles. And when you're transparent like that and, and you show that trust in a player like Drew and then you're that type of way as a coach, yeah. You know, I thought it was really interesting when, when he got into that. And the part of it I found most interesting was when he said, I'll tell my team if I expect them to blow another team out. Mm-hmm. I feel like most coaches sort of build up the opponent, no matter who it is. You know, you could be playing like Alcorn State, and your coach would say, oh, these guys are really tough. You know, this one guy can score. You know, it's going to be a hard time. And that could be Mike Krzyzewski. You <laughs> know, and his guys well, are in the locker room like, who is that guy? I've never heard of him. Well, you know who does that the best of all of them. We hear it every week. Oh, down Bill, in fo- Bill Belichick, good of course. Offense, good defense, good yeah. special teams. I remember one. Everybody. Remember Everybody's one year they they played the Jets and Brooks Bollinger was the quarterback, the former <laughs> Wisconsin great. And Belichick gave about ten minutes about how great Bollinger was at running the bootleg, oh and it God. was it was just it was a dissertation on how we're going to defend Brooks Bollinger running the bootleg. And you know by about Thursday it's like okay, they're going to win this game by thirty. Yeah. Like you know this is ridiculous if he's talking about. Brooks Bollinger running bootlegs out here. Oh, well, you know. and he does that in front of his team, too. I, I remember when Brandon LaFell was playing here 2014-2015, he sort of let slip to the media. He's like, you know, I think – I can't remember who they were playing. I think maybe it was the Giants or somebody was having, like, a, a tough season. And he was like, yeah, yeah, they got blown out last week. But we <laughs> but we wouldn't know it 
because Bill only showed us the one touchdown that they had on film. Yeah, yeah. you know we're not seeing the forty-one points the opponent scored. The the so. two the two pancake blocks yeah, and right. the three sacks. Yeah, and whatever right, exactly. Else. Yeah, those exactly. are the only ones that made the game. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> um, so, with that in mind, what do we think our respective coaches are saying about their opponents? If you're David Cox, if you're Ed Cooley, how do you think they perceive each other? Ooh. There's a lot of respect there between both sides, yeah. for sure. Um, David Cox speaking last, you know, post game after Harvard, obviously had a lot of respect for Providence, and, and Ed threw flowers to Dave as well. Yeah, uh, what are they saying about these teams? I mean, it's interesting. The Mitchell Twins were here on a on an official visit at Providence when um, they were transferring from Maryland. When, yep. they, when they were exactly so, uh, and for whatever reason, there was not a marriage there. <clears throat> no, no, there was not. There ultimately. were at least a couple dates and. <laughs> Maybe a formal affair. Maybe they attended a wedding together, but uh, it wasn't their own wedding. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think there's there's some um, sort of not bad blood, so to speak, but there were players that both programs went after that are going to play in this game, which doesn't happen often uh, between these two, which is, I think, an interesting angle. Um, I think... There's respect from Providence, but I think going back to the point we just made with Ed being upfront and honest with his team, I think he's going to tell his team, you're better at, at all five positions. You're more athletic. Um, this is a game we need to go out and win. This is a game we should go out and win. Mm-hmm. Um, understand it's a rivalry game. Understand it'll probably be closer than what the final score will ultimately suggest. But, yeah, I just... We'll get into the nitty gritty here, but I just it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough sledding, I think, for URI. What about uh, David Cox, Cody? What's he saying? Um, I I think that you know he he sweat a little bit at Harvard, but I think he sort of looks at it maybe the way we do and said, look, Harvard emptied the tank. You guys settled down. You're poised. You know we're coming together here. You're embracing your roles, whatnot. So if you go out, it's Maybe it's sort of a do-your-job speech. You go out and you play well, you do your job, then we're going to give ourselves an opportunity here. Don't let the hype get to you. Don't let the everything that you're going to be walking into get to you. Go out there and and play, and play the way you know how. And they have, they have good talent at all these positions here that you're going to need to go up against Providence. I mean, as Maury said, I think PC goes into the game, I think, probably more athletic um, but there are guys on, you know, Rody's roster. I think that can give you, you know, some clutch. I, we've seen Ish Elamine. If it's a close game late, you know, that's a guy that I don't want. If I'm Providence, I don't want that guy with the ball in his hands. Sure. I don't because he can make big shots. If I'm Ish Leggett there and and I'm progressing the way I am, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in with all the confidence in the world. And if I'm the coaching staff, I'm telling him the same thing: go in there and play the way you know how to play. So I think it's probably more of a, a, a do-your-job speech and let's go get this road win. So we're at this point now where URI is playing Providence. They did not play last year, as we said off the top. Uh, first time since 1934-35. They did not play a game in season. Um, we look back at that time. It's mid-pandemic. Providence is here to have the home game. They're playing at Alumni Hall. It's empty. There'd be no fans. No real advantage. Um, you know, you'd, you'd be looking at ideally a year ahead, which we are here now where we have crowds back. They do make a difference. Um, you know, and I think Providence just, just sort of deferred. If, if you're going to take an NFL kickoff, they deferred a year. 
you or I did not like that decision. Um, Thor Bjorn signed on to a mutual statement with Bob Driscoll, which sort of undercut his own coach's argument in that way to play the game because Thor was somewhat complicit in it. Um, you know, and, and I don't think, to be fair to Thor, I don't think he had much of a choice because politically he has to be aligned with Providence on this. Yeah. The, the dynamics of this say two things. First, when it's Providence's home game, it's going to be the best gate they have non-conference. Yep. Providence has played three home games with significant attendance so far. Fairfield and Sacred Heart, they were in the high 9,000s. Texas Tech, they announced a shade over 10,000. None of those are sellouts. Nope. Saturday will be a sellout. There will be a secondary market on the street. They're going to get two or three days of buzz out of this. So for Providence, this is a financial thing. This game is tied to their season ticket packages. It's tied to their mini plans. It's free marketing for them. Steve Napolillo, who is the guru of fundraising and, and donor engagement there, is plenty savvy enough to realize that. Bob Driscoll is plenty savvy enough to realize that. This is found money for the Friars every other year. It's a boon at the gate. They're not going to drop home games, the home game. They're not going to drop the home game at Alumni Hall in front of nobody. They're just not going to do that. If you're URI, URI needs this game on the schedule yep. for basketball reasons. If we go to our friends at Ken Palm, and, and granted, these numbers get adjusted in January after we have a little more season. Providence is by far the best team URI will play until late February when they visit St. Bonaventure. That's the only game on their schedule that is better than Providence at this point. Providence is 60 in Ken Palm. St. Bonaventure is 39. All the other teams that URI has played to this point have been 119 plus, And they played the shell of Georgia State, who's at 119. They yeah. have five guys out due to COVID, six guys out due to COVID. URI needs this game for a schedule opportunity. If you want to have any chance in a given year of being an NCAA tournament team, you need this game on the schedule, particularly on the road if you have a chance to win it. It's a quadrant one game. The problem URI has is they have no leverage here. You go to Providence... It's a game that you need. It's not a game that Providence needs to play. They get 10 or 12 Quadrant 1 games in the Big East. They don't need to host you. This is a headache for them in terms of basketball, purely basketball. It's a no-win. If they lose, they have to hear it all year. Oh, we lost URI. Oh, you know, like, you know, yeah. the URI fans giving it to them the whole time. Right. They win the game. They play better games. doesn't matter. They play Villanova. They play, you know, UConn twice. Um you know, so very different motivations here on both sides. And, and I think that all of that just adds to that spiciness, that sort of spikiness yeah. on both sides. And, and I think the best part of it is that neither side wants to acknowledge the other, those two realities, the fact that those are the truths, particularly when this game is played at the dunk. This is what you do when you're a fan. You, you look at your, your program, the team that you root for, through your colored glasses. And so that's why I think it's tough sometimes to acknowledge that. But here we are, the neutral party. We are the neutral party. And this is what we're talking about. Those are the realities. And I think that's why it was especially spiky last year, as you mentioned, Bill, because the game wasn't played. And the reasons were the reasons. The fans on both sides felt the way that they felt. And that's why this year's got a little bit of you know, a little pepper poured onto it, too, because it's back, and roadie fans are still salty that the game was not played last year, and Providence fans 
are still, you know, feeling the way that they feel, which is, okay, fine, it's back, but we feel like we should win this game, and so let's get this let's get this over with. Both teams need each other. Both fan bases need the game. You just have to understand that for, for the reasons that Bill laid out. They, they need each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what it boils down to. There's not – this game hopefully, you know, will be played every year now for – for the next hundred years, so we have this game. Uh, the last time, what was it in the thirties? You had said that. Yeah, nineteen thirty-four, thirty-five. Yeah, they need each other. They this the state needs it. Um, both both programs need it. So, and we obviously need it. We, we need like it. it. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're not sitting here doing a special podcast for any other game. No, yep. it's it's for this one. Uh, with all due respect to Bryant and Brown, who played a wonderful rivalry game <laughs> on Black Friday. Bill, you said it. If if PC and URI has the type of intensity that Brown and Bryant oh, had, give it to me. we're going to be very satisfied. Very that satisfied. was a great college basketball game. Lots it really was. And and so how do we approach that? And let's get into a little bit of the X's and O's in this. Um, you know, PC is going to be a short favorite in this game, according to Ken Palm, four or five points, give or take. Um, you know, I look at Rhode Island, and I think the most important thing for Rhode Island in this game is you have to value the ball. You're 310 in turnover percentage right now nationally. Uh, you have to expect that in a rivalry game, guys are going to be going all out, particularly at the defensive end. Your possessions are going to matter. There's not going to be a ton of easy looks in the lane or open threes. Guys are going to be defending with a certain amount of desperation. The crowd is going to be at a frenzy. That tends to bring a certain energy out of players, um, and you tend to see that mostly at the defensive end. It is most effective there. Uh, it is not most effective on offense. And, and so I think you or I... Uh, you know, as we mentioned, they had 19 turnovers at Harvard. Um, if they do not value the ball, particularly their front court, the Mitchell Twins and Antoine Walker had 10 turnovers in that game. Your big guys cannot be giving the ball away that much. They just cannot. The guards have it in their hands the majority of the time. If your big guys are throwing it away despite their lack of usage comparatively, you're going to have a hard time. If you're Providence, you just have to be solid in this game. You have to be solid like you were against Texas Tech. You have to take good shots. Um, you have to be patient on offense. If, if you're the Friars, and so far they've done this at an elite level, they get to the foul line. Their free throw rate's number two in America. URI is number six. We could be in there for a long time because <laughs> it's two teams who do like to get to the line. But if you're looking at Providence offensively this year, they've shot the ball reasonably well from three compared to their recent standards. They've shot it very well from two. They're top 50 team in that way do you have enough patience to find nate watson do you have enough patience to let noah horkler get on track to have al durham get to the rim or are you going to settle for threes early in the shot clock for shots that you or i wants you to take um can you be composed like you were against texas tech i think those two things put together if, if i had to circle two areas for both teams i think those two would be it so i whipped out the old t-chart PC on the left, URI on the right. (laughs) I like that. Six categories down the uh, far left-hand side. So this is what I broke it into. Guards, bigs, and bench depth. And then the other, actually seven. Coach, coaching, experience, intangibles, and then the big one, in my opinion, which really swings it, is late-game killer. Who has the ball in their hands? Who do you trust? Who has made those shots? Who has been consistent in that role? Who knows that that's their role? Mm-hmm. 
on both sides. Very important. So for PC, I lean them with the guards. Talked about this on the last pod. Interesting sort of side note here. I think PC is a little bit better without Jared Bynum. That's nothing against Jared Bynum. I think he's a great player. I think he finds open guys. I think he serves a good role as a true point guard. But I think, A, guys know their roles more when there's just that eight-man rotation with PC. Ed gets happy and plays nine guys a lot of the time in the first half. And much of the time, there's a reason to get guys in, get their feet wet, so they have a little game experience under their belt in case you get into foul trouble, in case the game goes to overtime. Guys have been in the flow of the game already. But it's so important to establish a rhythm and, and some momentum out on the court and continuity with the team that you have that night. And I just think those three to five to six shots that Jared Bynum averages are better off going to your Noah Horklers, your Nate Watsons, your Al Durham's, and your A.J. Reeves of the world. And to your point against Texas Tech, Alan Breed, seven points, no turnovers in 25 minutes, only took four shots. Right. Understood that it wasn't his night. Those shots went to Al Durham, and they went to A.J. Reeves. Most other nights, Al Durham and A.J. Reeves will shoot at a more efficient percentage. But to, to your well, point, you're absolutely right. And I like the shots that Alan Breed took. They seemed in rhythm any time he shot the ball. It wasn't forced or anything like that. And right. this is a kid, as a, as a true freshman last year, that came in and really assimilated himself well. Played great in the middle, Villanova. In the, in the that was middle of game. Big East play, yeah. 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 Against teams with really good guards. So I just think one less is better in my opinion. So I think PC has the edge in the guards. Biggs, I think it's equal. I think we can talk about that a little bit. Between the mm-hmm. Mitchell twins and between Horkler and Watson, I think that's where if URI has an advantage in any of these categories, I think it's the closest when you look at the bigs. Well, URI is the number one shot blocking team in the country. Uh, they swat 23% of your attempts. They're the number four defensive team uh, in two-point field goals. A shade under 39% against them. So you figure there's not going to be anything easy inside for Nate Watson, for Noah Horkler. And, and you have to think that they can throw three different bodies at Nate Watson, whether it's the Mitchell Twins or Antoine Walker. I'll be interested to see, and I think it'll be Makai Mitchell, who draws Horkler, if he's a little bit better, a little bit more like St. Peter's in this game. Because if he can take Makai Mitchell away from the basket and make him operate in space, maybe knock down a couple early threes, I think that's advantage Providence. If, if those mm-hmm. guys end up in a fist fight in the paint, I'm shading Makai Mitchell in, in that. Um, you know, So that matchup will be really interesting to me. Well, and then your heads are turning, and it's, okay, where do we go? Because Noah's hitting shots, and then all of a sudden things open up a little bit for Nate, and then Nate starts bullying people in the paint, and then, yeah, you're right. He gets Mikhail Mitchell into foul trouble. Yeah. You have to go to Antoine Walker, who's a, who would be a little undersized yep. in that matchup, probably more athletic than Nate Watson just in a pure NFL combine sense, but he'd be a little undersized trying to guard him one-on-one in the post, and at that point it would be advantage Providence in two different positions. Nate can bully at that point, too. Yes, exactly. Mm. My next category, bench depth. Yeah. I I, I shade PC. We saw it last night. Ed Croswell, Justin Minaya. I mean, Justin Minaya, I think, is the best player off the bench of of either team. I think Malik Martin uh, could have a nice little game there. He's shown that he can splash a couple threes and he can guard a couple different guys, two through four. Um I just think the experience, though, sort of, sort of, I uh, side with PC there. Coaching, I think it's it's you know pretty down the middle uh, in terms of experience, in terms of big games. Obviously, Ed has been there for a while. Ed has won a lot. Ed has been to the dance. Uh, so I do shade there PC as well. Intangibles, it's PC's home game. It's PC's crowd. 
Uh, and then late game killer, the big one, and a big reason why I think this Providence team is better without Jared Bynum is Al Durham. Al Durham showed it last night. He can put the ball in the rack. He can score at all three levels. He can get to the paint. He can finish with both hands. A couple beautiful drives down the baseline with his left hand adjusts midair to his right, uses the glass around a big, long defender in Texas Tech. He's used both hands at the rim. He can hit the mid-range, and he's shown he can hit the three. I don't know if you can go to Ish Leggett, and he can just create off the bounce. I don't know if you can just go to Jeremy Shepard. Jeremy Shepard's smooth, smooth, a little too loose with the ball, sometimes doesn't make the right plays, turnover happy. Um, And then also with Ish Alameen, hasn't shown that he can do that job yet has shown he can make a big shot in key spots but, but others 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 have had over. to create for him right it's 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 a very big difference and early in the season on the road you don't learn that by playing you have to learn through experience so come february you're ready for that uri hasn't been put in this situation uri's guards also haven't all played together well it's it's Ish Alamine will have two or three points in a game. Last night, Jeremy Shepard goes scoreless. They haven't all three played together well yet. And I just think, ultimately, I think this is why I swing PC in this in this way. When you're talking about the late game killer thing, I, I, I think, Maury, about you know it, I, I, what we talked about earlier with having a lead dog guard you know, for Ed Cooley and a guy that Ed can say at the end of the game, all right, go out there and win it for me. And I just... Kyron Cartwright goes straight to the top of my head. Bryce Cotton goes straight to the top of my head. Like, those guys. He's got those. Chris Luan, Dunn. Luan Pipkins, at the end of his year here, was doing that. Yeah. The, those guys. I, I, I didn't even mention Chris Dunn. Like, that's that's the funny thing is because he's had, he's had these guys, you know, guy after guy in that role. And those are guys that when you need somebody to make a big shot and take over the game with the ball in their hands yeah Al Durham showing that ability yeah and and you know the other thing about Al Durham I think is he's an excellent foul shooter yeah. 85 percent from the line he was, he was 12 for 13 against Texas Tech mm-hmm. uh cool as you like as the Brits would say um mm-hmm. you know just very comfortable at the line he he looks like an old head out there mm-hmm. in in those spots um you know I also think that uh and, and we didn't have this last year obviously but I think the crowd's a factor I, I really do. I, I think this will be the worst environment that a lot of these URI players have played in. Uh, Ish Leggett has never played in a game like this. Yeah. Not not close at the college level. You know, last year he was a freshman playing in empty gyms. There was some limited attendance in certain places. Hasn't played in anything approaching this hostile. Jeremy Shepard hasn't in a long time. The Mitchells did in Big Ten, briefly, non-conference, but certainly nothing in conference play. Like, they didn't go to Michigan State. They didn't go to Michigan. They didn't go to Illinois. Um, let's say they transferred by that point and certainly didn't see anything like that last year with URI. Um, you know, so that is going to be a big factor. We saw it on Wednesday night. You're going to turn that up all the way to the end of the dial um, at that point. So, you know, prediction time, fellas. Uh, uh, I will I will bravely dive in first. Go ahead. Uh, you know, because why not? I, I may as well take some leadership on this. Look thing, at that right? smile. I know, it's so bad. Um, I'm going with the Friars, and, and I would say I'm going with the Friars because I think this is by far the best team URI has played to this point. Uh, I like the fact that Providence has been tested already. They've played Wisconsin, Northwestern, Virginia, Texas Tech, four Power 5 teams already. They're 3-1 and one in those games. They have a win home, road, and neutral. 
I think that makes a huge difference. They are the older team by about a year in terms of experience-wise. Uh, Providence, in terms of how they've allocated minutes to this point, averages 2.7 years of college experience. That's 11th in the country. I think that makes a huge difference in games like this. Um, you know, I just think that, that you or I, based on who they've played, Boston College twice, BU at home, Bryant at home, Tulsa neutral court, Florida Gulf Coast away, they lose, Georgia State, whatever was left of them, they win, Harvard on the road, not a vintage Harvard team in front of six people, a lot of them URI fans at Leviathan's Pavilion, they win that game. I don't think they've faced a stage or a caliber of opponent like this. I think it is a significant step up for the Rams. And I think unless Providence has a little bit of a hangover from Texas Tech and they come out flat, I don't think URI is going to be able to get over the mountain against this team. I think it'll be a close game. I know I was talking to a few folks last night, not PC folks for the record, who feels like URI could be in trouble in this game, like a double-digit loss. I don't think that's the case. I don't think rivalry games play out that way. But I would shade Providence in this one. I'm going to go 67-59. Nice. 68-point game. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to go a little... Some, some free throws at the end. Sure. Something like that. One okay. or two possession game, and then a couple garbage free throws in the last minute. Before you give yours, yeah. because yeah. mine's very similar, yeah. I, I, I look at, what did Brody win by? What, 64-57 to 57 last night? Yes. That's sort of the game that I see. I see like a seven-point difference, one or two possession. I'm also going with the Friars because I think of the experience and the home game and all of that. So I'm I'm very much in line with Bill's prediction. I'm I'm taking Providence in this game. Yeah, me as well. Um, and I think we're going to see a very similar game to the one we saw in the fall of 18. So that was Cox's first year. I believe it was like a 53 to 43 final. Oh, or it was 59-50. 59-50. And it was a complete eyesore. Yes. And I think <laughs> from that's both teams. And I think that's the game we're going oh. to get. I don't know if it's going to be as complete of an eyesore for for PC, but I think URI could really struggle offensively to score. Granted, they've shown at times this year they can really defend despite not scoring, and I think that's a key trait, especially when you go on the road. Um, I just think ultimately they don't have enough offensively unless they pop in 15 threes like it's net, you know like we don't we're not really used to seeing URI they could you know there could be an aberration here however if URI is the URI team that we've come to know through these first you know three weeks of the season I see PC winning but I, I see PC winning by double digits uh, I see the game being you know early on. You know, URI could come out and throw a little punch. I think once, you know, URI comes out and throw a little punch, that's what I said. If uh, if PC sort of settles in, uh, plays well, plays solid, like you said, Bill, I, I think this game is, is really between like 8 and 12 the whole way. I think URI could make a run to get it to like a 6, sort of like how we saw PC against Virginia. Oh, they come back, they make a couple big shots, Ed calls it timeout. You calm down. It's a couple possession game. You think your eyes really in it, but you really know that the other teams got it still wrapped up and they still have it handled. So I think ultimately PC wins. Let's do a score. Um, 71-59. Okay. So a little more scoring. Uh, Coity, you give us a final? Did yes, you? I basically 64 to 57. Sort right, of the same sort of thing. You, you know, but I, I uh I, I think Rody's defense will keep them in this game. Yep. I, I think that. Um, sure. You know, because I think 
they have shown at times that they can defend at an elite level, clearly being the best shot blocking team, you know, in the country. That that's mm-hmm. that's clear. And so I think they are I think Nate's gonna get a lot of attention from the Mitchell twins, but I think ultimately at some point I think you know one of those guys may get in foul trouble, as we mentioned. I think Nate can step in and be a bit of a bully at times in the paint. Um, and if guys are going to contribute the way they did for Providence against Texas Tech and show that kind of poise, then I think it, it doesn't bode well for the Rams, and that's why I, I take the Friars in this game. So it's official, URI fans. We don't like you. We like Providence better. Uh, that much is obvious. You, you can go ahead with your conspiracy theories at, at this point. Uh, feel free. Go right ahead. Uh, PC fans, we obviously like you better uh, and certainly think you're going to win the national championship if you win this game. You stop it. Um, we don't uh, care who wins. You stop it. I'd be happy are, to be proven wrong. We're a neutral party. We yeah. see it as, you know, we have no dog in the fight. We're here. We we spend hours upon hours of watching tape, going to practice, talking with players and coaches. We're here and we're telling you just how we honestly see the game from both sides. I could care less who wins or loses. It's a great game for our job. It's yeah, a great it's game great. for the station. It's a great game for everybody. We're, we're, we just tell it how it is, and we tell it because we care, and we tell it because because that's how we spend all of our time. I'd be happy if all four of these men's programs made it to the NCAA oh tournament and we had that no kind of problem. Yeah. No that question. would be the that kind of problem work wise, as in who the heck are we gonna send to <laughs> right. all these NCAA one to tournament San Francisco, sites? Yeah, one right. to Dallas. Can you put to... two of them at the same site, please? <laughs> yeah, if if I happen to wear a black sweater on Saturday, folks, it's because I'm overweight. It's not because I'm really completely <laughs> it's quite that simple. Um we are thrilled to have this game back. Uh, we are thrilled that we could give you an extra pod this week just to talk about it. Uh, we hope everyone has a great Saturday. The folks who are going to the game, enjoy it. Go out in Providence, get brunch, go out afterwards, have an early dinner. Um, you know, For the folks who are going to catch it on TV, it's on CBS Sports Network, a 2 p.m. tip. Um, very much looking forward to it. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. As always, we will be back uh, next week to rehash this and so much more. Thank you all very much.